Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Clarity creates predictability. Predictability creates consistency in behaviors and relationships, and consistency builds trust and reinforces love and concern. That is the opening slide I will use when I meet with a group of parents in Chicago as we look at the best ways to communicate with our children. This statement actually goes for everything in life and is critical for you to think about as a leader, parent, educator, lawyer, doctor, police officer, whatever. You see, when we are managing children or others, we need a simple recipe to follow and to reflect upon, and this statement provides both. If things are not going well in a relationship, something occurred that made things unpredictable. If something went south in a classroom, someone is feeling threatened. And if something went sideways in your house, someone did something that impacted the consistency that was enjoyed by everyone. This episode is going to focus on the management of relationships and the need for households, classrooms, and the workplace to focus on intentional processes to support the dynamics found in all three of those environments. The focus is on the tips and tricks we've learned over the years. Who's we? Well, me and my wife, Megan. Let's begin with a review of our role as leaders. We are all leaders because we all have influence over the environments in which we live, play, and work. A leader, after all, is anyone who has influence over another person, and that is what a leader is, an influencer. How do we lead? Well, we lead like the buffalo, with perseverance, tenacity, and optimism, because a buffalo always runs to the storms he or she is facing, and they never back down from the challenges or problems they face. And they do that with their herd, for others, and intentionally. Which is why the other day, when I was with a group of elementary school principals and they were all sharing their challenges, I was reminded of the importance of a few things. Number one, consistency and support for people when they are struggling. The principals from a variety of different schools and systems across our state all had a theme of what was taking place in their buildings. Classroom management and student behaviors. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm an expert on all of these classroom management behaviors or student behaviors. However, I am a teacher, a principal, a superintendent, and a dad. And I raised two children with my wife. And a top five of mine on my strength finder is learner. So I'm always looking to grow as a kid advocate and just a leader. And I was pretty good at working with kids and pointing them in a better direction. And from all of that learning, I found a few things to be true. What worked? Relationships, positive reinforcement, predictability, and process. What didn't work? Threats, inconsistency, lack of follow-through, and no processes. Which is why the rest of this episode is going to focus on a few management tips and kid hacks to help you. Help those you love and those you serve. Now, no matter what you do, all of these different tips and tricks can be applied to any age from the oldest adults to the youngest of children. Let's start with a story here to help us understand the context. When I was a young man and was sent out to my student teaching, I was fortunate to be able to be placed with two master teachers, John and Chuck, because the two of them, they were pretty awesome. And between them, they had over 50 years of experience. I was in my early 20s and a pretty green rookie. When I did my middle school placement, I learned a lot about process and the importance of being consistent. My cooperating teacher was a real stickler for being normally predictable. That's what he used to say. 
And I remember thinking, this must be what the army felt like. I want to be the cool teacher. (laughs) After a few days of observing his room, I watched how hour after hour he did the exact same thing, treated all kids the same way and with respect, and yet had a very clear structure for how he liked things done. It was like being in a master class for management, management of students at just life. I mean, he taught kids how he wanted papers stapled, what color pens to use, how to fill out forms, where to put certain information, and how to walk in the room, walk out of the room, how to address each other, how to work in groups. I felt like I was in a John Wooden class on the masterful coaching of basketball, but it was a classroom. And I remember thinking, yikes, this is a lot stricter than I want to be. And yet, I watched as no problems ever emerged in that class. He didn't rule with fear. He didn't rule with an iron fist. He ruled with consistency. Then, one day, I got to take the class and teach the class. I thought I'd improvise a little bit like some sort of jazz musician and do it my way (laughs) and let off the processes a little bit. I started my lesson, and all of a sudden, the students started to act very different. They started moving around the room. Even though Chuck was in the back of the room, they started chatting amongst themselves and slowly inching towards each other and slowly starting to take over the room. The lesson ended and my cooperating teacher came up to me with a smile on his face. He was like, hey, how'd that go? I wanted to run away. (laughs) He said, let's look at what happened there. And it was one of the great lessons of my life. He said, you changed all the traditions of my classroom and they decided to go exploring on you, see how you'd react, and they created new boundaries. He was like, listen, you're here to learn and fail, so now we failed, and let's learn from it. And what I learned was that consistency, predictability, and relationships matter. I didn't have relationships, so when I was inconsistent, I became unpredictable. And as a result, I gave them permission to do whatever they wanted to do. 45 days later, I started my high school rotation and I was with John. And he and I debriefed on my experiences and I shared with him what I had learned about being consistent and honoring the traditions of the room I was in. And I said that I got pretty good at management and was looking forward to the high school students and observing him. He very genuinely looked at me and said, take this the right way, Ted. Kids are like puppies. (laughs) I looked at him, what? He said, kids are like puppies. They come in all shapes and sizes. They are cute. There are cute little terriers who are adorable. And the minute you take your eyes off of them, they'll eat the leg off of a desk and start fights with the other puppies. There are scary-looking Dobermans who are actually very sweet. There are little poodles who come in here looking all put together, and they're actually a mess. However, the one thing they all need is to understand their boundaries. And the more you reinforce those boundaries and acknowledge what you expect, the more your room will be focused on learning and less on behaviors. I mean, these two things have stuck with me as a teacher, a coach, a parent, an administrator, and a leader. Here are the metaphors for what they are. Not comparisons, but frameworks to work off of. So let's look at a few tips here for you. Communication. People always ask me, how do you communicate with teenagers? My answer frequently, well, with courage and with love. People often say it's hard to talk to them. No, it's not. It's hard to eliminate the weird narratives in our heads and talk ourselves into having the conversation. I mean, it was not hard at all for me to have the birds and bees talk with my kids because I enjoy the uncomfortableness of conversations that impact their lives. It's from that uncomfort that they learn. And you can be very predictable if they know they ask a question and you will answer it. The first step is to give them notice. 
And what I mean by that is to give them advance warning and say things like tomorrow night, this afternoon, whatever, we are going to have a discussion about the birds and bees. And I want you to think about some things you've always wondered about. This allows them to anticipate what's going to be discussed. It puts all the weight on their shoulders and it gets them thinking a lot about, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But more importantly, if you do this consistently, they'll come prepared for the conversation. Great conversations with kids start with one simple statement. We're going to talk about drugs for the next 30 minutes. Okay, let's break down that simple statement. I stated what we are going to talk about and I explained for how long. This is an empathetic approach to communicating with your child, even the people you work with. Remember when you were 15 and your parents talked at you and they fumbled around, got frustrated with you because it wasn't going well, then started to unravel in front of you and all you wanted to know was how much longer am I going to be here? You started looking around the room and then you got yelled at for not looking at them and then you started looking at the floor and you were not engaged at all in the lecture that was taking place in front of you. Your parents were uncomfortable. It was awkward. You didn't learn a darn thing and all you wanted to do was get away. Maybe that's not how they'll all go, but too many do. Point is this, declare your intention, set a time limit, and stick to it. Second thing is this, once you declare this is what we're going to talk about and for how long, inquire and give them voice. Tell them what you know about the birds and the bees. But then before you tell them, ask them, hey, what do you know about the birds and the bees? Allow them to share with you what they know so that they stay engaged. The best conversation a kid can have is with you listening to them. Have them share with you the questions they have, and then you actually prepare some things in writing so that you don't go off the rails. Here are the four things I want to talk to you about today. I'm serious. Before you talk to your kids, write down four bullet points, five bullet points, two bullet points. Write down what you want to do. Make sure to list your objectives. I mean, if you're going to have the hard conversation of the birds and the bees, here's what we're going to talk about. Bullet point one, protecting yourself. Bullet point two, boundaries. Bullet point three, pornography. Bullet point four, healthy relationships. I'm sure that just made you a little uncomfortable, but great kids and teachers or parents, they focus on relationships and those relationships come from being honest and candid and prepared with a process. Because in the absence of that, you invite the kids to sniff out new boundaries and test you and that is what they are all doing instinctively because they're wired to do it. Teenagers are trying to prepare themselves for independence, and our job moves from protector to guider as they age. The next reflection is, don't ignore the naughty. And what I mean by this is that if you look past subtle infractions in your expectations, those eventually grow to be fractures in the earth's surface that you can't repair. A behavior ignored is a behavior reinforced. Did you hear that? A behavior ignored is a behavior reinforced. Whenever you hear your inner voice say things like, oh, I hate when they do that, you better nip that behavior and replace it with one you expect. Because if you ignore it, they'll think it's okay to do. And then you'll slowly grow frustrated, snap at them one day, and they won't understand it. And you'll look like a sociopath. Now, before we hammer on what to do when we see things we don't like, let's look at the opposite, what we do like. As children get older, one of the things we fail to do is focus on the good. Think back to when they were babies and all we did was get excited about the little things. Oh, look who ate their peas. Who pooped on the potty today? We then reinforce that with everyone around them. Everybody who comes over all the time. Your auntie comes over and we're like, oh, come here, watch this. Look how he can walk. Look how she can eat her dinner. Look who can color so well. What happens when they turn 11? We stop seeing all the good. 
all our comments to the kids switch from great reinforcement statements to weird questions like, what is wrong with you? What were you thinking? Why can't you just? Oh, if you want a good classroom or house, you got to become a compliment-driven and positive reinforcement person, no matter the age of the person. I mean, I really want you to reflect upon how many positive reinforcement statements have you said recently to your children, especially if they're between the ages of 9 and 25. I'm serious. Because no matter the age of the person, if you want consistent behavior, results, or a great culture, it's all about what is going well. That clearly identifies for everyone around the house, the classroom, and the office, the office, what is supposed to happen, what it looks like, and how to be. Now, when we see an infraction, it's important to immediately address it. I mean, without delay. And not a day later, but a minute later. And the process is called name it, claim it, and tame it. I heard it first from my buddy Craig Weber. This means to be respectful and to quietly pull the person aside and share with them what they did, name it, describe how it's not acceptable, claim it, and then share your expectations clearly and without reservation, tame it. Too often, when working with kids, we, in the middle of addressing a behavior, we do this weird mental ping pong and begin negotiating on our expectations. Any child, no matter the age, can see within you the weirdness, and this is a door opening right in front of them. As an example, imagine saying this, you know how your sister or classmate just picked on you and you stood up and threw a fork at them? Well, I can see how that frustrated you and caused you, well, you know, to throw the fork. And I, I, I would have been mad as well. So I kind of get it. But listen, I now have to ground you for a bit as a result of, of, of these actions. What is happening when you respond like this is that you make it all about you. You create weird boundary issues and you let the kid feel like, you know what? I might have been all right in my my actions, but the adult said they have to be an adult. Stop it. You're the executive branch of government. Rules are rules and you need to be firm and loving with a controlled voice. Like this. Hey, it's not appropriate to respond to your frustrations by throwing a fork. Name it. You will not do that again. It's dangerous and not an appropriate response. Claim it. And your sister and you are going to have a conversation about respectful interactions with me. Now, sit on the couch over there with no device, devices until I figure out what we are going to do. Tame it. Buy yourself time to think. Reinforce the boundaries. Be controlled. And most importantly, don't make a threat. Come back to the conversation with your expectations and then reinforce them. You don't always have to address it right on the spot, but you can make them sit there. You can make them think about what you're thinking about. You can make them nervous because you won't be very predictable in that moment, but you will be very predictable when you share with them what it is you expect. The next time the two of you get together and you start at each other, I'm going to step in. I'm going to remind you of your last interaction, and I'm going to expect that you are respectful, and at the very least, that you just stop it. <laughs> Did you hear a threat in there? No. Do not make a threat. Once you step into the Kenny Loggins danger zone of threats, you're going to have a real problem because when you are upset, you make crazy threats. And when your conscience catches up to your heart and you start negotiating off of your threat in front of a child, creating inconsistency in your worlds, well, they're just going to take advantage of that. They're going to learn to manipulate you and they're never going to believe you. Teachers and parents, we do it all the time. However, when you're on the receiving end of a threat that never emerges... You are actually reinforcing the fact that you have no integrity and it allows kids to sniff out new boundaries, push them, and then 
we get into a rinse, wash, and repeat threat cycle where the kids push them further and further away from your control to the point in which you get frustrated, lose your cool, and over-threaten once again. Consistency and relationships matter. So what is relationships? What does that even mean? Well, if you want to have great relationships with those that you guide and love, like your kids, take the approach of a meteorologist. And what I mean by this is that having a relationship with a child regardless of age means that you need to build upon a mutual respect and predictability. A rock of mutual respect and predictability. Children are always making weird choices. It's what they're wired to do. They don't believe half the stuff we say because it's never happened in front of them. Think of Ralphie in the movie The Christmas Story when his mother says that he can't get the BB gun because he'll shoot his eye out. He scoffs at her and then dad sneaks the gun in there with mom and then what happens? The very first thing he does is he almost shoots his eye out. And when he gets it, the shot to the eyeball, he then goes and lies about it. We can get very close to avoiding this by being meteorologists. And what I mean by this is sitting your kids down as they age and sharing with them what will happen under certain circumstances. Let me give you some examples. I used to facilitate these large group parent-student nights as a principal, and they were awesome because I created these as a result of watching parents trying to have hard conversations. And I mean parents, guardians, foster parents, moms, moms and moms, dads and dads. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are, what the dynamics of your family is. Being a parent is hard. And here's what I did. I would put a scenario up on the screen, something like this. You're, you go to a friend's house for a sleepover. The parents leave the house and the older sister has a party going on upstairs. As the night goes on, the sister invites you all up to have a drink with them and everyone wants to go up and party. This is as far as I took the scenario at first and then I would turn to the kids and parents and have them discuss what they would do with the prompt. The kid would say what they would do to get themselves out of it. Kids and parents would talk for a little bit, and then I would pause them. Because then what I would do is I would add to the scenario. I would add this little nugget. You end up going upstairs, and you have a drink. You start feeling really weird, and you get scared. You text your parents to pick you up. Mom and dad, grandparents and guardians, please explain what you will do when you get there and pick them up. And remember, the answer is not, I'm going to kill you and ground you forever. <laughs> If that was your instinct, they're never going to call you. They're going to lie to you. And when it is all over, whose fault will it be? Yeah, look in the mirror. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to say that I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to make sure you are safe. I'm going to tell you I'm proud of you that you called. I'm going to tell you I love you. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to get you to bed and I'm going to care for you. Then tomorrow, we'll talk about how proud I am for you having the courage to call me and being yourself in a difficult situation. Now, what you're not going to tell them is that you're going to sleep outside their bedroom door in a fetal position and worry all night long. <laughs> will there be a consequence? Yes. And you're going to tell them that in advance. You will get yourself in a little trouble. You'll probably be grounded for a couple weekends just to make sure that I can make sure you're safe. However, what just happened? You forecasted for them what will happen so that they can predict and they can weigh all of that against every other weird thing going through their heads when they do get in a weird position. Whether you are in the house or a classroom, kids think we're sociopaths because we are so inconsistent. And when they see us being inconsistent, they see opportunities in doorways creating new chances for them to do whatever they want. 
They learn to manipulate us and they take advantage of who we are. And then we get frustrated and we blame them. What's wrong with these kids? Well, they're not doing anything abnormal. They're just being normal kids. So don't forget, clarity creates predictability. Predictability creates consistency in behaviors and relationships. And consistency builds and reinforces love and concern. Start saying things like this to them. Hey, be respectful, be respected. Listen to others, be listened to. Don't make threats, find the good. Finally, let's talk about the teachable moments we need to create within our own worlds. There will be a day, if you haven't had one already, it's coming, when you will not be the best version of yourself as a parent or a teacher. And when that happens, that creates a teachable moment for the people around you. This is usually when, well, let's say that you lose your temper because too many things have built up and unfortunately the person standing in front of you is going to receive the emotional pressure that's building and it's going to relieve right onto them. It's going to come out of your heart like a volcanic explosion. When you lose your mind in front of a child, it makes things very unpredictable for them, invites them to learn about a button to push when they don't want to address some expectation you've laid down later on in their lives, and it allows for you to look like a lunatic. <laughs> However, there is a way to recover. Three steps. After you've taken some time to calm down, maybe that day, maybe the next day, the next time you interact with the person that you lost it on, the first thing is to acknowledge them, to thank them, and to share with them what you're going to do different. So step one, acknowledge to them that you are not the best version of yourself and explain the root of the outburst. Step two, demonstrate gratitude to them for putting up with you. Please don't say you're sorry. That doesn't mean anything. Appreciate the fact that that person had to be on the other end of you. It means so little to just simply say you're sorry. Appreciating the fact that you are aware that you put them through something difficult. Well, that's going to get you mileage. And step three, explain how you'll take corrective action in the future. Let me share with you what that sounds like. You ready? Kyle, listen. This morning when I lost it and called you the dumbest kid I ever met, that wasn't really about you. I was coming off of a couple of difficult situations and you happened to step right into my path when you threw that gum at the wall. And I let you have it. You're not the dumbest kid I've ever met. Actually, you're far from it. Thank you for being understanding and patient with me while I was yelling at you. And the next time I am upset about something like that and I run into you, I promise you that I'm going to ask you to come see me later so that I can cool off. Did you hear those three things? I get that there are extraordinary circumstances and extraordinary kids in our classrooms and our worlds right now, but they are a very small minority. And as parents, teachers, and leaders, we need to be conscious of our behaviors. After all, what we demonstrate is consistently influencing others. And the more we focus on being consistent, the more predictability we create. And with consistency and predictability come strong and love-based relationships that can always be improved upon. That's how you buffalo into the storms that you are facing. It's simple. Be respectful. So let's do some smart thinking. List the strategies that we've talked about that you'll employ. Describe what you will now do different as a parent, teacher, or a person. And finally, list the ways in which you can recover from just simply losing it. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, as always, thank you for listening. And please make sure to share and rate this episode with those that you are around. Help me help others be the best versions of themselves, whether that be a parent, a teacher, a friend, or a colleague. And of course, 
Thank you to the Well Pennies for permission to use their great music. As always, at the start and finish of every episode, we get to hear Brian and Sarah and the band. And please follow them on whatever music platform you subscribe to. I'm often asked, Ted, how do you talk to your kids? I'm always a little cynical about it. With my mouth. And a lot. I also have a great partner, which is my final point. Megan and I have done, I think, a pretty good job of doing one thing together as parents, and that is being consistent. Because consistency throughout the organization is the most critical component of a child's life. Yes, I just called my family your family in classrooms and organization, because that's what they need to be, organized. I don't care what the dynamics of your family are, of any family. Because if everyone is on the same page with expectations, consequences, and actions, guess what? The child will grow up very clearly understanding their lanes. They'll be consistent. They'll have resilience. They'll be tenacious. They'll be optimistic. There should be no threat of, wait until your mother gets home, or what I'm going to tell the principal is about you. Take control and be in control of the situation. Don't defer and don't threaten. Frankly, what we need is more frankness. Stop thinking that the children you are responsible for are your friends. They're not. They are children who, just like cute puppies, are going to be sneaky, steal treats, run away when called, and test the boundaries. Kids are amazing, and they're not going to be anything else but kids. And they're going to do what kids do. Test. It feels like those tests are getting bigger and more often. So remember the formula. Clarity creates predictability. Predictability creates consistency in behaviors and relationships. And consistency builds trust and reinforces love and concern. Get on the same page. Don't let kids manipulate you and your partner. Don't let them manipulate room to room. Don't let them manipulate situation to situation. Have the same expectations. Talk about them. Be consistent and put processes in place. Finally, stop talking yourself out of having the conversation. Look for the opportunity to have the conversation and make the opportunity to do it with the kids. Kids will always be who they're allowed to be. And we should allow them to be amazing by guiding them to greatness, by being there for them, showing them the way. And most importantly, we as the adults being willing to make the changes within ourselves that we need to make so that they can be who they need to be, not who we expect them or want them to be. That should all be the same thing, frankly. This week, look to create environments of respect and be respected. Hear your kids and then be listened to. And most importantly, be consistent for them. If you run into the storm, they'll follow as long as they can predict what will happen. And we all know what will happen. Sunshine and star-filled nights because we got to the other side of the storm. And at the very least, (laughs) show them how to dance in the rain. Welcome to your life. There's no Make the
never, never needed. 